So this year in history, we're doing world history, as I've said before, and this is the book that we're covering. It's the, if you have the video, if you're watching on YouTube, you could see it. It's the Discoverers by Daniel J. Bornstein. It's quite interesting. It's a history about his understanding of how man developed knowledge, not necessarily the progression of events, although it includes that as well, but mostly the advancement of knowledge. But one of the interesting things is because is it's divided up into different parts right and so the first part is time so the first 12 or is it 12 no probably only nine chapters are on time and man's development of the calendar and the understandings of the seasons and the days and the clocks and etc etc and one of the interesting things is he talks a little bit about why time developed an understanding in the West rather than in the East, because it was not until later on that in China they had the same ideas of time that they did in the West, and a lot of that was because the there was a missionary and he went to China and showed the emperor the clock, etc. And so then the emperor and the Chinese people started to adopt the clocks, although they had the clocks kind of as little toys or things that did interesting things mechanically for a while before they had the clocks as actual timepieces, things that actually kept track of time. But he gives basically two reasons in the book, Bornstein does, of why the West developed an understanding of time before, but they're actually not reasons why the West developed it. They're reasons why the East did not. And these are because the East couldn't because of the centrality of the government and also because the East couldn't because there was a private-public distinction and there are differences in the understandings of private property. Now, what's interesting about his analysis of it is he seems to assume that if only the East would have been left alone, it would have developed time like the West developed time, which would then imply that the West was left alone and so then it developed time as it did. But that's not exactly, or at least it doesn't seem to be the case because what happens in the West, at least, is you have a great influence of a great religion called Christianity. And I'm not using great as a value assessment, as a quality, more as a quantity. Big. And so you have this Christian religion. And he doesn't mention this as a development in the understanding of time. But one of the things that the Chinese, because that was the great country in the East, obviously, one of the things, and that's kind of the country where, you know, a lot of these inventions happened or developed in the East because most of the population was centered there. <laughs> so the Chinese would restart their understanding of the calendar with every emperor. It's not only that in the 15th year of the reign of such and such, this happened, it was a whole new understanding of time could be developed because an emperor had been brought in. This is interesting to think about, especially because, you know, nowadays we have this idea of the revolution from what could be called the progressive left and the erasing of history. Now, what the progressive left is doing is not exactly that that appalling. Now, people say, I can't believe that they do this. I can't believe that they do this. It's just because you haven't been that clued into the cultural cues that have been going on for a long time now, because these things are spiritual. And what I mean by that is there's spirits that are working themselves out over the ages. And now we're seeing the culmination of some of those spirits right now in our political scene, say in the United States or in Western Europe. And what's happening is now that you get to erase the past because you get to erase this enlightenment vision 
And maybe one of the things that we're seeing is a suppression of this over time. But then you could ask, why didn't it happen for so long? Why did this revolution in the West not happen for so long? And this gets back to the question of, well, Christianity was in Europe. So Bornstein is kind of a secularist. He, um, he recognizes the quantity of Christianity, but I don't know if he recognizes the quality. Now, I'm not trying to be a Christian apologist in saying any of this. I'm just trying to point out some things that are hard to overlook, let's say. Um, some, some of the time we'll attribute the greatness of the West to the Enlightenment. For example, a figure like Steven Pinker has attributed the Enlightenment to, and he's obviously assuming that the Enlightenment is good, to the written word or the printing press, to the discovery of new worlds, and to the scientific revolution. And those are the things that came up with the Enlightenment. Now, what you have to ask is, why was there the evolution of the printing press? Why did they think that they could make a printing press? How did that come about? Why was there the scientific revolution? Why did people want to go and conquer new worlds? What were their motives? What was the backdrop to those things? So that's not a very compelling answer in and of itself, even if you take those points as the culmination of the Enlightenment, and even if you take the Enlightenment as being something intrinsically good, which it doesn't exactly seem that it is. But anyways, back to this understanding of um, time developing in the East or in the West, and this is basically inventions in general. Where did they develop, in the East or in the West? Well, a lot of it developed in the West. Now, if you read or listen to, I was listening to this secular podcast called The History or the story of psychology, but it goes through some philosophical things and it starts way back in ancient times and then goes through the medieval period. And when it reaches medievalism, it really praises Islam. And why does it praise Islam during the medieval period? Well, because that was the Christian period in Europe. And so we want to ignore that. It's a very, very, very secular podcast, very modernist type podcast and look at history where you think that the medieval period was dark. That was a coin or term coined, I believe, by Voltaire because he thought that those were dark ages because they were religious ages or at least Christian religious ages. And so this is why you see at least now this obsession with Eastern spirituality in the secular context, especially with people who are more affluent because they need, you need a spiritual dimension to your life. Now, what I'm using as spiritual there is different than what I used as spiritual earlier, but anyways, that doesn't matter. So would, would the inventions have developed themselves in the East as they did in the West? If on, uh, if not, if they weren't deterred by the overreach of government and by weird private public distinctions, that's the tack that Bornstein t seems to take because it doesn't say why it developed in the West. He says why it didn't develop in the East. Now, it's assuming a lot of things about the West. One of the really, like I said, the biggest thing about the West is Christianity. And so did Christianity have a part to play in it? Now, if you were an honest historian assessing these things, that I don't know if this was an unconscious thing by Bornstein. I'm not saying this is a bad history book in general. Like I said, it's really interesting, and I do think that it's a good history book. But... If you were an honest historian all the way, which none of us will ever be completely honest, but if you were, then it seems like you would be able to say that these things happen in the West, at least partly because there's something going on in the West. Now you could ask yourself, why was there not this overreach of government in the West? And why was this a, there a different public-private distinction in the West than there was in the East? Now you could say, well, it was simply because there was, there was many, many countries. 
But that's not why there was many, many countries. There's many, many countries for different reasons. And just because there are many, many countries does not exactly explain the fact that there wasn't government overreach. Why is there not government overreach in all those countries? Now, maybe in modern terms, we would consider it government overreach, or American terms, rather. We would consider it government overreach, but they didn't exactly consider it that way. So why was there not government overreach in that understanding? Why was there not a resetting of the calendar for the medieval Christians? Why was there not a resetting of the calendar for the Europeans? During the Enlightenment, there were several attempts to reset the calendar and morph it into a new thing. During the French Revolution, there was the resetting of the calendar as well. Nowadays, you can see the attempt to reset the calendar by using the terms BCE or CE instead of BC and AD. This is because you don't like having before Christ as the BC or the year of our Lord, Anio Domine, as AD. The problem with that is you're still using the supposed date of Christ's birth as your pivotal moment in your history. You haven't gotten rid of it. There a, was a movement in the 1940s or 50s trying to push for a new world calendar. The new world calendar would be restructuring of the calendar system. But why restructure the calendar system? Why do that at all? Because it would just make it much more confusing. It would change all the dates. Now, the weeks would have been structured roughly the same, and it would have been more orderly according to what order, though. So we get into all these questions of what on earth is going on here, because why restructure the calendar? Why change things? It's the revolution. It's the eternal revolution that's continually happening. And so why did it happen in the West and not in the East? One of the reasons might be because the calendar wasn't changing. Now, why wasn't the calendar changing? The year of our Lord. The calendar started with the birth of Christ, or at least the supposed birth of Christ, if you will. So then you could base something off of something that was rock solid, at least hypothetically, and you wouldn't be constantly changing the dates of your calendar. Now, was this a good or a bad thing? Well, look at the fruit. The West invented things and the East didn't. The West had something solid. Now, look at the revolutions today. We want to evolve. We want to restart something. We want to make things new. We want to create something totally new. Is this going to work? This is the interesting paradox that the, that the conservatives face in the modern day because you have the majority of the conservatives who are just wanting to preserve the Enlightenment vision. And you have some of the conservatives who are wanting to renew something greater than that. And it's a very, very small minority because even those of us who would want to renew something greater than the Enlightenment, those of us who are mostly Christians, can't do it because we get caught up in the political practices of the day. So what do we do then? Or I, I guess I should ask, why did the calendar develop in the West and not in the East? Why did the clocks develop in the West and not in the East? Well, the West had a salt foundation and the East didn't. In the West, there was a God and he could be made known. And so the universe could be made known. In the East, God was represented as the emperor. And when the emperor changed, our understanding of God changed. And so maybe our knowledge changed because knowledge is renewing. Knowledge is something which makes things known. It illuminates, it renews. And so when you have this understanding of a constantly changing emperor in your developmental scheme, then what you happen to have is 
not solid knowledge which to base things on. Now you could say, well, Christianity isn't the most solid thing to base things on because it's just a hypothetical being in the sky. Maybe that's true, but look at the fruit. Christianity produced something. Nothing else has. Or you could say, well, look at the Enlightenment. Things came after the Enlightenment. But where did the Enlightenment come from? And what assumptions are, is the Enlightenment making about reality in order to feel itself? So why did the understanding of time develop in the West and not in the East? Because there was something solid in the West that wasn't in the East. Because the government couldn't be God. Because there was already a God. Why was there this difference in the public and private distinction? In China, at least during the time, there was this idea of things that were private could not be made known. So, like the time or the clocks that the emperor had were not for the people to know about. And so the knowledge could not be made public. But in the West, the knowledge should be made public because it was God's knowledge. And so that's why you had the universities, at least in part, was to develop your understanding of Christ's kingdom and God's knowledge. So why did it happen in the West and not in the East? Was it because of an idea that there was a God who was and who could make himself known? In the East, what they seemed to be playing with was this idea of, I am God. I will make myself known. All knowledge starts with me. This is a great thing that we are dealing with right now in our culture today. I am God. All knowledge starts with me. The revolution is starting now because I say so. I'm the arbiter of truth. This is why it's not at all surprising, really, that you have critical race theory, for example, to use a more and more and increasingly buzzwordish term. Because when there is no God, we become God. As Nietzsche said, God is dead. God remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? We must become gods ourselves to even seem worthy of this deed. So why did, why did the knowledge of time develop in the West and not in the East? Maybe because there was a God who wasn't us. Because if things are based on us and they fall, they fall quite easily. We can try to enforce these things with our power, but... It usually doesn't work out too well. Now, one of the things that I'm reading also at the moment is the Iliad by Homer. And I want to make, I, I might have some time even after this video to make a video on that. And so what's happening with Homer is you have this idea of force. If there is no ultimate authority, if there is no ultimate power to which all things owe their power, and if that power is not in and of itself love, then all that we can do is meet power with power, is meet force with force. Now, one of the problems I'm going to have in making that video is I can't really get all these thoughts out because I haven't really constructed them in the way that I'm supposed to, so it'll be kind of a blurb. Like, this is kind of a blurb. Like, all my videos are kind of a blurb, you know? They're just vomiting out these thoughts. At least that's the way that I think about them. So... I mean, so these things happened in the West because there was a God who could be made known and who we could know and who we weren't and was greater than us and the knowledge was going to be public and the government was not God. Now you could say you should separate church and state, but you can't. That's the thing about America is America has its own religion. That's not Christianity. It's a version of Christianity, but it's not quite Christianity. It's a heresy. And so any attempt to separate 
state and religion or religion and state is not a very good attempt because they always fail, at least so far as we can tell. Your religion will come out in your government. That's why you see this almost religious offensiveness at the riding of the Capitol on January 6th, because this is our temple. This is why you see this religious offensiveness at some of the, you know, I mean, go to Washington, D.C. Do you not think that that's a religious city? I mean, suit yourself by saying that it's not, but people are going to find their quote-unquote religion somewhere. So when we get rid of God, this is what we start to have. And so this is why it's no surprise really that it's no surprise that these things are coming about now, that this idea of revolution is coming about now, that we need to restart things, that we need to erase history. Because why should we want those things in our history? If we are God, if we can decide what is right and wrong, why should we let things that we don't like be in our history? And if we are the most powerful and there is no ultimate power to which we owe ourselves, then why should we not make the world how we want to make the world? It doesn't make any sense. Now, I'm working on all these ideas at once, I guess, because I'm also working on it. And this is another video that I'm going to make, hopefully today as well. It will be released a different day than this video. Is this idea of us being God in Numbers and Deuteronomy. Because in Numbers and Deuteronomy, you have this idea of you can't save yourself. And so you must recognize the Lord for who the Lord is and the Lord's will for who the Lord's will is. Because if we try to chase our own glory, it's futile. And so this is the, I mean, I was bringing in another thing, bringing in the end of G.K. Chesterton's book, Orthodoxy. He closes the book by saying that basically, if you don't have a real religion, and he posits that Christianity is the most plausible of these religions, at least for him, then you don't have meaning. You can have secondary meanings and fringe meanings, but you can't have real meaning. And you must have a central meaning to your life in order to be able to live in the world. And Christianity provides joy, even in its suffering. It's partly because of the suffering that you can have joy inside of Christianity. And what does that mean? There's an objective, to use an enlightenment term, there's a real meaning to life that actually exists, that actually can be made known. And we don't have to make it up. And this is part of what Nietzsche was working on. We have to create our own meaning if there is not God. That's basically what Nietzsche posited. So what happens when we become God? We can't invent things. We make ourselves into the government as they did in China in the ancient period and as from all the ports that I can decipher now are doing now. And we become self-centric and self-justifying of our own beliefs and our own vision of the universe. And we try to impose it on other people. And then we can't advance anywhere because there is no love in, inside that. That's why Christianity and especially Protestant Christianity insists on the depravity of man. Because if man is depraved, then he cannot save himself. That's maybe the best short definition of Christianity there is. A Christian is someone who believes that their needs that Christ is a better savior for him than himself. Right? I need a better savior than me. That's a pretty good short definition of Christianity, as Paul Vanderclay once said. 
So why did time, this understanding of time develop in the West and not in the East? Bornstein seems to think that it would have just developed if there wouldn't have been the suppression. But the suppression is not unnatural. It's natural. That's what we naturally do. Give me an example where we don't. Because that's all that I could see. And I'm not trying to say that in a pedantic or pejorative way. Like, seriously, I haven't seen how people don't act in this way naturally. You have to be trained, I guess you could say, out of it. You have to be brought out of it. And you can't bring yourself out of it all on your own. And then you can go to you know, this understanding of everything that's good comes from Christianity, which is a weird case to make, but maybe you can insert it here that even when you have this understanding of what is good and you don't claim to be Christian, you're still participating in what is good inside of, let us say, Christianity. So that's all I have there about why things developed in the West and instead of in the East. And I thought that was quite an interesting comment that he made in that book because it definitely seems to be the case that Things do not progress towards something unless they have something to start on. And so maybe we should start our things on something solid and not on ourselves. Thanks for watching.